بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا وسيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدًا عبده ورسوله يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون يا أيها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحدة وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجال كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والأرحام إن الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما أما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار أما بعد I'd like to begin firstly by um, thanking the brothers that have organized an event like this and related to the topic of the importance of unity, these types of events actually is a cause for unity. That brothers, they aid each other upon al-bir and al-taqwa. They travel from various cities, various towns to gather, to seek knowledge. This is a form of unity. So I ask Allah Azza wa Jal to reward those that have um, helped organize uh, this event. May Allah place it on their Scales of deeds on Yomul Qiyamah. So, the causes for deviation from Huda, from guidance, are many. And from them is following desires, Ittiba'ul Hawa. And it is from the greatest calamities that affects the Muslim. It is a major cause for deviation and it misguides many from the path of Allah and then those that have been afflicted with desires themselves they misguide others so it misguides a person himself and a person upon Hawa he misguides others along with him and it shows the danger of this calamity and Ittiba'ul Hawa is actually a cause that is Khafi, it is hidden. A person may be upon following desires, but he himself doesn't know this. It's hidden, it's calming. But following desires, it has alamat, it has signs. Others can see it, but you may not be able to see it. It has manifestations. And this is something that is a must. Whether a person likes it or not, if he is upon desire, if he follows his hawa, these signs will be apparent. So, for example, an afflicted individual that follows desires. He may praise an affair and then quickly he may quick criticize this affair because of hawa. Or he may criticize something and then later changes his mind and he falls into it himself because of hawa. Or you may see one afflicted with hawa following desires that he accepts a statement from a specific person. Fulan has said it, so I'm going to accept it. If it comes from anybody else, I'm not going to accept it. He criticizes it. Why? Because of hawa. He may defend certain aqwal, certain speech, certain actions because it's come from something that his hawa follows. His desires follow. He agrees with his hawa. If it's from anything that doesn't agree with his hawa, he doesn't agree with it. He criticizes it. All of this, these are signs. All of these things stem from following desires. A person of desire only sees his desire. If he speaks, it's due to desire. If he does an action, it's because of desire. If he remains silent, it's because of desire. His desires have blinded him. 
and they have misguided him and they have held him as a prisoner as Sheikh islam ibn taymiyyah rahimahullah he mentioned as it's reported in dhaylu tabaqat al-hanabila he said al-mahbusu man hubisa qalbuhu an rabbihi wal-ma'suru man asarahu hawah ibn taymiyyah rahimahullah mentioned that the one who is truly restrained and confined is the one whose heart is confined from his Lord. He's the one who is truly confined because his heart is confined from his Lord. And the one who is a true captive, a true prisoner, is the one who has been imprisoned by his desires. He's a true prisoner. His desires have imprisoned him. So, due to the destructive nature of following desires and the fact that it's hidden I wish to mention some affairs pertaining to ittiba'ul hawa first and foremost as a reminder for myself and then a reminder for my brothers and sisters and ask Allah to give success so to begin firstly I want to mention the definition of hawa the definition of desires the great Imam Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah he mentioned in Rawdatul Muhibbin in Rawdatul Muhibbin he said Al-Hawa Maylun Nafsi Ila Ma Yula Imuha Al-Hawa Maylun Nafsi Ila Ma Yula Imuha that Hawa is the inclination of the nafs to what it is pleased with or agrees with whatever a person's nafs inclines towards Whatever it agrees with, that is Hawa. Al-Hawa meilun nafsi ilama yula imuha. So we know from this that having desires is an inseparable trait of man. Every person has desires. So Hawa in and of itself is not blameworthy. Every person has desires. If, if a person's desires incline towards opposing the legislation opposing the shara then it is blameworthy if a person's hawa inclines towards opposing the shara then it is blameworthy if a person's hawa inclines towards agreeing with the shara agreeing with the legislation then it is praiseworthy not blameworthy it's only blameworthy if it agrees with or if it opposes the shara if it agrees with the shara then it is praiseworthy but if you find the word Hawa used in the Nusus, you find Hawa in the Quran, or you find the word Hawa in the Sunnah of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, or the word Hawa used alone in the Kalam of the A'immah, the Imams of this religion, the Imams of the Salaf, then it usually refers to the blameworthy type. It usually refers to the blameworthy type because Generally speaking, Hawa calls to that which opposes the legislation. Generally, a person's Hawa calls to that which opposes the legislation. So if you find the word Hawa in the Quran or the Sunnah or in the Kalam of the A'immah, then it refers to the Hawa that is blameworthy. So for example, Allah the Most High, He said, and follow not your desire for it will mislead you from the path of Allah this is in the Quran as for the sunnah of the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam then we have the hadith narrated by At-Tirmidhi in his jami' and it has been authenticated by Shaykh al-Albani in Sahih At-Tirmidhi where he said or from his supplications where Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min munkarati al-akhlaqi wal-a'mali wal-ahwa O Allah, I seek refuge with you from evil mannerisms, actions and desires So this is, ahwa is the plural of hawa Ahwa is the plural of hawa So this is one hadith as an example where desires is used as or used in the blameworthy type as for the kalam of 
the Salaf or the Imams of this Ummah, then there are many, many narrations, many statements from them warning against desires and its people. So from those statements, we have the statement of Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma who said, ما ذكر الله عز وجل الهوى في موضع من كتابه إلا ذمه Ibn Abbas said that Allah did not mention Hawa in his book except that he dispraised it. So whenever Hawa is mentioned in the Quran, it is the blameworthy type. Also from the statements of the Salaf is the statement of Al-Hasan al-Basri, rahimahullah, who said Al-Hawa, desires, is the most evil sickness that mixes with the heart. That Hawa desires is the most evil sickness that mixes with the heart. So these are from the, the text from the Quran, Sunnah, and the Kalam of the A'imma regarding Hawa and how they used it. So whenever a desire is mentioned alone, it is a blameworthy type. And if one ponders over sins, Ma'asi, he will find that the asal, the basis of sins, is that a person he gives preference to his desires over what Allah and His Messenger وسلم, love. This is the basis of sins. That he gives precedence and he prefers his desires over what Allah and His Messenger وسلم, love. This is the asal of ma'asi. And the worst sin. Is what ikhwa? Is shirk. Ashirku billah is the worst sin. And Allah Azza wa Jalla has described the idolaters in the Quran in many places as followers of their desires. They followed their desires and they fell into shirk. To the asal of sin is giving precedence to the hawa over Muhammad Allahi Muhammad Nabi The love of what Allah and His Messenger loved. And even if one ponders over innovations, he will find that the basis is the same. And Ibn Rajab, rahimahullah, he mentions this in Jami al Ulumi wal Hikam, his explanation of Al Arba'in al Nawawiyyah, where he said the basis of innovations is giving precedence to desires over the legislation. Is giving precedence to desires over the legislation, which is why its people are called. Ahlul Ahwa. The people of innovation are called Ahlul Ahwa because they give precedence to their Hawa, to their desires. This is why they are called Ahlul Ahwa. So, as I mentioned before, that having Hawa itself is not blameworthy. Every man has Hawa, every man has desires. It is from the nature of man. Rather, when he follows his hawa and he acts upon it, then he will be held accountable. If he follows his hawa and acts upon it, then he will be held accountable. And Ibn Taymiyyah, he mentions this. And this is found in Majmu'ul Fatawa, where he said that one is not punished just for having desires. A person isn't punished just for having desires. Rather, if he follows and acts upon it, that is when he is accountable. So if the nafs desires something, if a person's nafs, person's soul, a person's hawa desires something, and he repels that, he repels that hawa, and he forbids his nafs, then this forbidding the nafs is actually ibadah, it is actually worship, lillah. He worshipped Allah by repelling his desires. And it is a righteous deed. If a person repels his hawa, this is ibadah. It is amalun salih. It's a righteous deed. And Allah, the Most High, He said in the Quran, But as for him who feared his standing before his Lord and restrained himself from evil desires. 
he, for, he forbade his, his nafs from desires, verily paradise will be his abode. Jannah will be his abode. So brothers and sisters, the one who fights his desires, the one who strives against his desires, and he controls it, he keeps it in check, then the end result is always good. The end result is always good. So this is the definition uh, for Hawa. And then we move on to some of the reasons for following desires. What causes a person to follow desires, to act upon his desire? There are a number of reasons. There are a number of reasons for this. From them is that a person from a young age, he is nurtured upon this. A child is nurtured upon following his desires. What this means is a child isn't taught to control himself. The parent, he may believe that he's showing love, the mother or father. When a child wants something, he gives it. He thinks this is love. But the parent, when giving this thing to his child, he doesn't look at if it's permissible or not. If it's halal or haram, he gives it because the child wants it. There's no control. And this in reality is raising a child upon a destructive path. This raises a child upon a destructive path. And when the child becomes older, a teenager, young adult, an adult, what does he expect from this child to follow when he's older? Will he follow his desires because he's nurtured upon that or will he follow huda, guidance? What does a parent expect? And when his child falls into those destructive affairs, who can the parent blame but themselves? Who can they blame? Ibn al-Qayyim, rahimahullah, he mentions in Tuhfatul Maudud regarding this, he says that the majority of children, their facade, their corruption occurs because of their parents. The majority of children, their corruption occurs because of their parents. Because their parents neglected them. Their parents neglected them. Their parents abandoned tarbiyah, cultivation, good cultivation. They abandoned this. They didn't teach the children the fara'id of the deen, the obligation of the deen, nor its sunan. They didn't teach the children this. So the children wasted them away. They neglected them when they were young. And their parents, the children didn't benefit from their parents, nor did the parents benefit the children. They wasted them away, they neglected them, negligent. So when the children become older, and they are disobedient to their parents, and the parent, he reprimands a child, what does a, what does a child say to the parent? He says, Ya abati, innaka aqaqtani sagheeran, fa'aqaqtuka kabiran. Indeed, you were disobedient to me when I was a child, meaning you wasted me away, you neglected me. So when I am older and you are now in old age, I am disobedient to you because of the way you raised me. You neglected me when I was a child, so I am now neglecting you in your old age. This is the effect of children being raised upon Hawa. So it is a must then that children are cultivated upon a good tarbiyah. And from that is being taught to strive against desires. Also from the reasons why a person may follow his desires is sitting with the people of desires. Sitting with Ahlul Ahwa. Rather, this is from the greatest of reasons. That a person, he sits with them, he accompanies them, he may eat with them, spend time with them, and then what will happen? The one who sits with the people of desires, he will inevitably be affected by their sickness because he sits with them. And this is why the Salaf would warn against sitting and mixing with Ahlul Ahwa. We have the Tabi'i Abu Qilaba, he said, Do not sit with the people of desires. Indeed, I fear 
that they plunge you in their misguidance or they will cause confusion regarding some of what you know. So they will affect you. They will either plunge you into their misguidance or what you know from the haqq, they will cause some confusion regarding this. There's no benefit with sitting with Ahlul Ahwa. No one should feel safe from this warning. No one. No one is safe from this warning. And this is what the people of desire strive for. They want to cause misguidance. They want the people to be upon their hawa. And even their way of doing this is deceptive. Even their way of doing this is deceptive. Mufaddal ibn Muhalhal. He was an imam from the Salaf. He was from the companions of Sufyan al-Thawri. Mufaddal ibn Muhalhal. He said, as narrated by Ibn Battah in Al-Ibanatul Kubra, he mentioned that the Sahibul Bid'ah, the person of innovation, when you sat with him the first time, if he mentioned his innovation to you at the beginning, what would you do? You'd run away from him. You'd be wary of what he's bringing from innovation and you'd run away from him. So what does the Sahibul Bid'ah do? He begins by saying a hadith of the Sunnah. He begins with mentioning a hadith of the sunnah in the beginning of his sitting. At first, this is what he does, a hadith, sunnah. Then he brings his bid'ah into the sitting. After he has introduced, he's sitting with the sunnah. So after the bid'ah has been brought in, some of that may enter your heart. It may be that that will bind to your heart. So then when will it leave your heart? If it settles in your heart, the bid'ah comes from him. It settles in your heart. When will it leave? You don't know. Why expose yourself to this? And this is why the Salaf warned against sitting with Ahlul Ahwa. Sit with Ahlul Sunnah. Sit with the Salafis. They are sufficient as companions. Also from the reasons that lead to following desires is hastening to what a person desires from the mubahat, meaning the affairs that are permissible. If a person always hastens to what is permissible, then this is blameworthy, or it could be blameworthy. And some of Ahlul Ilm, they would cultivate their students upon striving against certain affairs that are permissible as an example excessive sleeping or eating they would tell their students don't do this because it can lead to that which is worse and if a person is told to strive against the mubahat that teaches impatience sabr and what could happen is if a person's nafs calls him towards mubahat and he always gives in and he will become weak when he is in front of those things that are impermissible. His stance weakens because he always falls into that which is permissible, meaning he gives in. As soon as his nafs calls to it, then his, when, he, when the muharramat are brought in front of him, his stance weakens. This is why a person shouldn't hasten to those things that are permissible. He should even have sabr upon these things. Also from the reasons for following desires, is hubbud dunya loving this worldly life loving wealth or loving position and status or loving power leadership and the one who loves the dunya he will strive to attain it even if that thing opposes the legislation he loves something from the dunya he wants it he doesn't care if there's mukhalafat al-shara. He doesn't care. He just wants that thing from the dunya because he loves it. And Allah Azza wa Jal said in the Quran, فَأَمَّا مَنْ طَغَى وَآثَرَ الْحَيَاةَ الدُّنْيَا فَإِنَّ الْجَحِيمَ هِيَ الْمَأْوَى Then for him who transgressed and went beyond the bounds and preferred the life of this world, verily his abode will be the hellfire. He preferred this dunya. So this is what loving the dunya leads to. It leads to following desires even if that opposes the shara. And then the last reason 
for falling into desires is jahal concerning the end result of following desires. If a person is ignorant concerning what the evil outcome of following desires is, he will fall into it because he doesn't know the aqibah. He doesn't know what the end result is. If one is ignorant of its destructive nature, he will fall into it. And the Prophet ﷺ, he mentioned in a hadith, a lengthy hadith from it, he mentioned that three things are the muhlikat. Three things are the destructive affairs. Shuhun muta' wa hawan muttaba' wa i'jabul mar'i bi nafsihi. Three things are the muhlikat. He said, Shuhun muta' a miserliness or stinginess that is obeyed. A person is stingy, he obeys that stinginess and miserliness, then he doesn't give in charity, for example. Shuhun muta' wa hawan muttaba' and desires that are followed. These are from the muhlikat, the destructive affairs. Desires that are followed. And that a person is amazed with himself. This is also destructive. So we see then from this hadith that following desires is destructive. If a person is jahil, ignorant concerning its destructive nature, will he fall into it? He will fall into it. because He doesn't know what this thing is, what the end result is, the punishment he may face. So these are then some of the reasons for following desires. And then we move on to some of the signs or indications that a person is upon hawa. So as I mentioned at the beginning, that ittiba'ul hawa is khafi. It is hidden. A person may not know that he's following desires because he can only see his desires. But there are signs that are apparent to others, whether he likes you or not. He's, there are signs. So what are some of these signs? From these signs is establishing wala and bara upon other than what Allah and his messenger sallallahu established it upon. Meaning, love and hate should be for whose sake? For the sake of Allah and his messenger sallallahu But this person who follows his desires, what is his love and hate based upon? His hawa, his desires. So for example, you may see an individual. If you agree with his opinions, he's with you. If you disagree with his opinions and his stances, then he's against you. So what is, is his wala and bara based upon? Hawa, his desires. His love and hate is based upon what his desires call to. As for the Sunni and the Salafi, he loves and he hates for the sake of Allah. His wala and bara is based upon the book of Allah and the sunnah of his messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam with the understanding of the salaf. This is the sunni salafi. His wala and bara is based upon the Quran and sunnah. So this is a sign that a person is upon desires. Another sign is contradictions and confusion regarding a person's stances or his opinions or the rulings that he may come to. What this means is, today, he may find fault in an affair, in a hukum, or a statement, or an opinion. And then tomorrow, he agrees with it. He does it himself. Today, he refutes an action. Tomorrow, he openly supports and praises it. Today, he considers Fulan's statement to be foolish. A particular person, his statement is foolish. But when his sheikh makes the same statement, he praises the statement. What an excellent statement. How great a statement. Because he's upon hawa. His aqwal, his statements, his opinions, his stances are based upon nothing but hawa. This individual is not seeking the truth. He's not seeking the haq. Rather, he is following his desires. As for the one upon istiqama, upon steadfastness, upon clarity, 
his opinions and stances are based upon evidences and he always tries to pee upon the haq this is what he wants he wants nothing but the haq whatever the evidence tell him this is what he follows it's not based upon the hawa of his own hawa or the hawa of his sheikh it's the haq so this is another sign also from those signs that a person is upon desires is that he refers back to the ambiguous texts from the Quran and Sunnah. As for the one upon guidance, he refers back to the clear verses. The clear verses. And Allah the Most High, he said in the Quran, Allah said in the Quran, it is he who has sent down to you the book. In it are verses that are entirely clear. They are the foundations of the book and others not entirely clear. So as for those in whose hearts there is a deviation, they follow that which is not entirely clear from it, seeking al-fitna and seeking for its hidden meanings. But none knows its hidden meanings except Allah. And those who are firmly grounded in knowledge, they say, we believe in it, the whole of it is from our Lord. So this shows, this verse shows what a person of Hawa is upon when he looks at the Nusus. He refers back to the Mutashabihat, the ambiguous texts. But this person of desire, even those verses that are clear, he gives them meanings and explanations that oppose what the Salaf or how the Salaf understood these verses. So even then, even when they turn to those clear verses, there is still Hawa. It is still based upon Hawa. And this is another sign. Another sign that a person is upon Hawa, he's upon uh, one who follows his desires, that he hates being advised. One upon desires, he hates being advised. He hates nasiha. But the Prophet ﷺ said, Ad-Deenun Nasiha. This deen is nasiha. This religion is built upon nasiha. But Sahibu Hawa, he hates being advised. When the people of the Sunnah come to him, when the people of the correct methodology come to him to advise him with the haqq, with the truth, with proofs, he hates it because they call to what opposes his desires. This is why he hates it. So whatever advice they do bring, they reject it. The person of desire rejects his advice because it goes against his hawa. This is another sign that a person is upon. Hawa. Another sign is Sahibu Hawa, a person of desires. He causes much splitting. He causes much splitting. His Hawa causes much splitting. Whereas Ahlul Sunnati wal Jama'ah, they call to unity upon the Haqq. Ahlul Ahwa call to whatever their desires deem to be good. Ahlu Sunnah, they call to unity upon the Haqq. And this is why the Tabi'i, Abu Ali al-Riyahi, he said, Rahimahullah, he said, beware of these desires. Beware of these desires, for indeed it places hatred and enmity. Desires place hatred and enmity and this leads to splitting this leads to splitting so this is another sign that a person is upon hawa another sign is arguing 
and defending falsehood. That a person upon Hawa, he argues and defends falsehood. He doesn't acknowledge his errors. He doesn't acknowledge his errors. And when he defends, his defense is based upon weak and baseless arguments. And he may completely disregard his errors. Why? Because he's amazed with himself. He's amazed with himself. And Prophet ﷺ said that alongside desires that are followed, that a person is amazed with himself is from the muhlikat. So he doesn't look at a person's advice for him, his errors that have been made clear to him, he doesn't accept it because he believes that he is upon the haqq, his hawa is right, he is amazed with himself. This is the person who follows his desires. Also from those signs, is if you see a person preferring laziness and inactivity. Person is lazy, is idle, inactive. He loves relaxation. He doesn't like to strive in his religion. He makes excuses for a'malu saliha. Whenever he, he, he's told to do a righteous deed, he makes excuses. I can't do such and such. It's hard for me. I can't do it. He places obstacles that prevent him from these deeds. Because these deeds, they don't agree with his desires. He may consider a task to be impossible one day. For example, person upon Hawa, how he changes very quickly. Today, he may consider a, a, a specific task to be impossible. He can't do it. But the next day, that same task, because he agrees with his Hawa, he can do it straight away. No problem. So his ability to do things is based upon his Hawa. For no reason but his Hawa. This is another sign. And the final sign that I'd like to mention is what Ibn Jawzi mentioned in his book, Dhammul Hawa. Ibn Jawzi, rahimahullah, has a book called Dhammul Hawa where he writes about Hawa, disgraces Hawa. He mentioned in this book, Inna sahib al-Hawa la yara illa al-Hawa. Inna sahib al-Hawa la yara illa al-Hawa. The person of desires only sees desire. He sees nothing but desire. Nothing but desires. What, what this means is even other actions from other people, he explains those actions based upon his desires. Forget his own actions, others' actions as well. If a person comes to visit him, oh, he only visited me because of such and such a reason, an agenda based upon his desire. If a person spoke, he only spoke because of this desire, this reason. He explains every single deed of others based upon Hawa. Because he only sees nothing but Hawa. Fulan remained silent because of such and such. He spoke because of such and such. He did this because of such and such. He describes and explains the actions of others based upon nothing but Hawa. Because Sahibul Hawa la yara illa al-Hawa. Because the person of Hawa, a person of desires, he sees nothing but desires so these are some of the signs and indications that one he is upon desires he follows his desires and then I'd like to move on to the dangers and evil effects of following desires so there are effects evil effects there are dangers of following Hawa from these reasons is that it, co it, it causes corruption. Ittiba'ul hawa causes corruption. As Allah Azza wa Jal said in the Quran, وَلَوْ اِتَّبَعَ الْحَقُّ أَهْوَاءَهُمْ لَفَسَدَتِ السَّمَاوَاتُ وَالْأَرْضُ وَمَنْ فِيهِنْ Allah said in the Quran, and if the truth had been in accordance with their desires, verily the heavens and the earth and whosoever is therein would have been corrupted. So hawa following desires leads to corruption also from the dangers and evil effects from following desires is that it deviates from guidance it deviates from huda it deviates from the sunnah 
of, of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It deviates from the path of Allah. As Allah mentioned, وَلَا تَتَّبِعِ الْهَوَىٰ فَيُضِلَّكَ عَنْ سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ And follow not your desire, for it will mislead, mislead you from the path of Allah. So following desires misguides a person from Huda. Also from the dangers and evil effects of following desires is that it distances one from the sunnah. It distances one from the sunnah and it leads one to falling into innovations. Ittiba'ul hawa distances one from the sunnah and leads one to falling into innovations. So from the dangers and evil effects of following desires is that it leads to uh, distancing oneself from the sunnah and falling into innovations. As Abu Uthman and Naysaburi mentioned, that the one who lets the sunnah be a leader over him, then in speech and action he will speak with the hikmah. That the one who lets sunnah be his amir, then his speech and action will be hikmah. As for the one who Hawa is his Amir, rules over him, then his speech and action will be nothing but bid'ah. Because Allah said in the Quran, وَإِن تُطِيعُوهُ تَهْتَدُوا If you obey him, meaning the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you will be guided. So this is a danger as well. From the dangers and evil effects is that it causes uh, confusion and corruption in one's stances. As Allah said in the Quran, and obey not him whose heart we have made heedless of our remembrance. One who follows his own desires and whose affair has been lost. So it causes corruption. Also from its dangers is that it causes splitting and differing. Ibn Batta rahimahullah, he mentioned in Al-Ibanatul Kubra, he said, may Allah protect us from these opinions that are innovated. And from these ahwa that are followed. And from these madahib, these ways that are innovated and newly invented. For indeed, its people, they have left unity for differing. They have left being together to tafarruq, splitting. And they have left friendliness for being lonely. And for love, mahabba, They've left that for hatred. And they've left nasiha and muwalat, loving for the sake of Allah. They've left that for ghish, deception, and enmity. So following desires leads to splitting. Also from its dangers is that it leads to Allah's wrath and his punishment. As he said, the Most High, have you not seen who takes his desires as his ilah? And Allah, knowing him as such, left him astray and sealed his hearing and his heart and put a cover on his sight. Who then will guide him after Allah? Will you not then remember? So following desires leads to Allah's wrath and Allah's punishment. It also leads to kibr, pride and haughtiness, arrogance. Because the person of Hawa, he believes he's better than everybody else. His opinions are better. He's amazed with himself. And this leads to the next danger, which is it follows a person from following the haqq. A person who follows his desires, he is prevented from following the haqq. Falsehood has become truth to him. And the truth to him is falsehood. The tables have turned. It's, the affair has flipped. And he may not even know that he's upon this. He may not even know he's upon this. And the, the last danger, as mentioned by Shaykh al-Islam, is that following desires leads to sadness, grief, and depression. And he explains this very beautifully. He says that the one who follows his desires, for example, in seeking leadership or in seeking high position, or he, he wants to accumulate wealth. Then when wanting these things, he finds much sadness and depression and his chest is restricted 
because he doesn't have these things. He wants these things. He strives for these things. And if he can't attain these things, then he will forever be in a state of fear and sadness. Why? Because these things that his desires chase after, before attaining them, he's in a state of sadness. He doesn't have these things. If he then attains them, he's in a state of fear. He fears that he will lose these things. So he's always in a state of sadness and fear because of following desires. So these are some of the dangers and evil effects of following desires. And then finally, I'd like to mention some of the ways a person can treat the sickness, how a person can remedy following desires if he is upon this. And there's no doubt that treating this sickness is an extremely difficult affair. But one must strive against this. One must strive. As the Prophet وسلم, he said, Afdalul jihadi an nafsahu wa The most virtuous of jihad is that a man strives against his own nafs and desires. This is the most virtuous jihad. That a person strives against his own nafs and desires. Which is why the Imam Sufyan al-Thawri rahimahullah, he said, nasi min al-hawa imtina'an. That the, the most courageous of people are those who are strongest in preventing their desires. They are the most courageous because they are able to prevent their desires. So these are some of the ways that a person can treat this. From them is that he fears Allah. He fears Allah and he is mindful that Allah is aware of his every statement and action. Allah is aware of his every statement and action. This is a way of preventing one from following desires. Another way a person can remedy this is by bearing in mind the evil outcomes of following desires and its evil effects. In the worldly life, it is contradiction and humiliation from its effects. In the hereafter, it is punishment and loss. If a person bears these things in mind, then he will, or he will be a preventative. Another way is that a person accustoms himself upon opposing his desires. He accustoms himself upon opposing his desires. That he doesn't give in whenever his desires call to something. He repels his desires, he subdues his desires so this is the way. Another way is that he accompanies the people of taqwa. The way the Salaf warned against sitting with Ahlul Ahwa, and from the ways of preventing desires and following desires is sitting with the people of taqwa, sitting with the people of the Sunnah, that you learn from them, you seek their advice regarding your actions. And if a person regularly seeks advice from them, it will weaken the belief that he is better than them. If a person regularly seeks advice from others, this helps him upon this. He gives weight to others over his own opinions. At the same time, a person should distance himself from the people of desires. Rather, he warns against them and against their speech and their actions as the Salaf have commanded. Also from the ways that a person can treat this remedy or uh, treat this sickness is a person stops where the text stops. He stops with the nusus. He compares his actions to what is in the Quran and the Sunnah. If it opposes the legislation, he refrains. If it agrees with the legislation, he remains upon it. And if he does not have the ability to distinguish, then he does as Allah the Most High said in his noble book, فَاسْأَلُوا أَهْلَ الذِّكْرِ إِن كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ If you can't distinguish between what is correct and what is wrong, then go to Ahlul Ilm. Ask the people of the reminder, Ahlul Ilm, if you do not know. And finally, perhaps the biggest preventative and treatment for following desires is frequently supplicating to Allah Azza wa Jal.
and the dua is from the greatest weapons of the believer that a person lowers himself and turns to Allah he supplicates to him that Allah protects him from following desires that Allah protects him from destructive fitan and that he asks Allah to guide him to the haqq in speech and action he supplicates with what the Prophet wasallam taught to supplicate with and he would say Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam when supplicating as reported by An-Nasai in his Sunan and authenticated by Shaykh Al-Bani in Sahih Al-Jami' Prophet would say وَأَسْأَلُكَ كَلِمَةَ الْحَقِّ فِي الرِّضَى وَالْغَضَبِ I ask you to bestow upon me true speech in times of pleasure and anger this is from his supplication Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam also from his supplications that he taught, especially Ali radiallahu anhu, as mentioned by Muslim in his Sahih, he taught him to say, Allahumma hadini wa saddidni. Oh Allah, guide me and make me upright. Allahumma hadini wa saddidni. These are from his supplications. Also from his authentic supplications, as I mentioned before, is his statement, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min munkarati al-akhlaqi wal-a'amali wal-ahwa. Oh Allah, I seek refuge with you from evil mannerisms, deeds, and desires. Oh Allah, I seek refuge with you from evil mannerisms, deeds, and desires. So these are from some of his supplications. So dua is from the greatest ways that a person can remedy this calamity of falling and following desires of falling into desires so these are some of the affairs uh, pertaining to following desires its dangers how it deviates one from guidance how one can remedy this and this is as I mentioned a reminder for myself first and then for my brothers and sisters I ask Allah the most generous Lord of his great throne to grant us all well-being in this worldly life and hereafter and to protect us from our desires and save us from deviation and destruction. وفقنا الله وإياكم لما يحبه ويرضاه وصلى الله وسلم على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين.